Amen. Kids up through fifth grade are dismissed to your classrooms, and uh, Liz is just uh, heading out the door with them. But Liz, before you leave, uh, I just want to uh, say, can we take a moment and can we thank Liz for everything that she does around here? Um, Liz uh, technically, on a technicality only, has a part-time job here, but she has the hardest job here. And so uh, she, she loves you guys. She loves your kids very much. And so I uh, just want to uh, you see her. Just make sure you say thank you for all that she does around here. Thank you, Liz. You can head to the class now. We are uh, continuing on in our series uh, called Heaven, Hell, and Life After Life After Death. This is the fourth week in the series. The plan was to do one more week after this week. Um, I had given you guys the opportunity to submit your questions online, uh, things that we didn't cover in the series, and uh, then you submitted so many questions that we're actually going to take the next two weeks to answer them. And so next week, Pastor Jerry is going to tackle the first half of those questions, and then I am going to tackle the second half of those questions. And you're cut off now. No more. This is it, okay? I think we have 28 questions that have been submitted. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to get to all of them. We're going to do our best, Um, but uh, you had your chance. So sorry if you have any more questions, but we're uh, continuing on this morning uh, talking about, we're finally getting to this life after, life after death portion of um, the series. And so uh, before we begin, let's bow our heads and let's ask the Lord to help us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we um, come to you this morning um, in awe of those words that we just got to sing It's one of those songs that we sing that um, if the words are really true, it is um, beyond our ability to comprehend it fully, Uh, that before your throne, uh, we have a strong and perfect plea, the great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. And um, what an incredible privilege, God, that we can go before your throne, that you hear us, that Jesus is interceding for us, God. When Satan tempts us to despair and tells us of the guilt within, upward we can look and see Jesus there who made an end to all our sin. And we can know that because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. Oh God, we thank you, we praise you this morning that you count us free in Christ Jesus. That we are truly holy and blameless, not by works we've done, but because we're in Jesus Christ and that every sin is forgiven by the blood of the cross. And so Lord, let our lives reflect that we are your children, God. And as we go to your word and as we look um, around at what is going on in the world, and the hope that we have for the future. We just ask um, that you would uh, be the one who satisfies our longings, our greatest desires, God. Help us this morning. Um, Lord, I know there are so many things that uh, people are carrying with them this morning, so many heavy burdens uh, that brought into uh, this place this morning, Lord. And so I just ask um, that you would really give us a focus on you, Lord, that you would help us... uh, that you would protect us from spiritual attack from the enemy, that you would um, just help us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus this morning, the true hope of humanity, of the world. 
We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, looking around um, at what's going on in the world right now, and uh, certainly um, what happened last Saturday, it's one of the great atrocities in recent human history was carried out on uh, the Jewish people. Um, it is, I, I know, um, as we've looked around, it's just um, horrifying, the things that we have seen. Um, we found out about the attack on, on last Saturday and didn't really feel like I had an understanding of what was going on by the next day, but uh, certainly uh, reading throughout the week and, and uh, hearing what's happening. Um, yeah, it is, uh, we can all just agree, it, it is a horrifying thing that took place and then that is um, going to continue to take place. I don't know about you, reading about the details, it just made me nauseous. Um, and uh, I've, I've tried to avoid some of the more graphic videos that have surfaced. I know some of you have like seen things that you just wish you could unsee, but these are things that really happened. And the scary part is that we know that uh, the, we're probably just at the beginning of the death and destruction that's to come, that already counterattacks are being carried out and war is likely to stretch into the foreseeable future. And certainly we want to be praying um, for what is going on in Israel, um, and um, I don't know about you, but I've just found my heart this longing, like Jesus, look, when are you going to just make everything better? And it's not just wars in other parts of the world that make us feel that way either. Like there's things in our world, there's things in your world right now, whether it's just like sickness that won't go away or surgery that you had or need to have or death of loved ones or like kids that are just making terrible life decisions or financial pressures or pressures to compromise your faith at work or sin that you're battling in your heart or relationships that are difficult or whatever. I mean, you fill in the blank. Do we not just have this sense of like good grief? Like how long is it going to go on like this? Jesus, please like Fix this. Can you even fix this? And that is exactly what we've been talking about in this series so far. And the thesis point of this whole series, if there's one thing I want you to remember from this series, uh, it should be this, that our hope isn't escape from this world. Our hope is the renewal of this world. Say that again. Our hope isn't escape from this world. Our hope is the renewal of this world. The ultimate hope for a follower of Jesus isn't that he's going to get us out of this dark, scary world, but it's Jesus coming back, fixing it forever and ever. And that longing for the world to be made right that we all have all the time, but it like deepens when we see just terrible things that are going on in the world, that longing for the world to be made right, whether you recognize it's from God or not, from God or not, is a seed that has been placed in every human being. So we recognize that as followers of Jesus, as the fact that we need Jesus to come back and make everything right. But even if you're not a follower of Jesus, like Every single human has this longing, has this sense in them that things are not the way they should be. And C.S. Lewis said it this way in the book Mere Christianity. He said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made 
for another world. I love that. Um, another great philosopher, the donut man, said life without Jesus is like a donut because there's a hole in the middle of your heart. So whether it's C.S. Lewis or the donut man, uh, the same thing is true, right? There's this, like, there's this sense that we all have that like something is just not, the things are not how they should be. And we just look around at our world, and it is so clear that things are not right. And because we're created in the image of God, we're able to have this profound sense that things are not as they should be. Does anyone else, I mean, is it just me? Like, does anyone else feel this way this morning? This, this is just not how it should be. The incredible news that we have is that God promises that these longings will one day be fulfilled. And so I was, as I was praying this week, as I was reading the news this week, as I was praying for you and the things that are going on in your lives, if I was praying for myself and my, my things that are going on in my life, like I just found like these longings that just like, what do I want to be changed, to be different? I just started writing down like all these things, like what do we want to be changed? And then we looked to God's word and saw that every single one of these things, like God promises, he's going to fix them. He's going to make them better. And so this morning, we're just going to look at a bunch of those things. I have more points this morning in my sermon than I've ever had before. So we're going to move pretty quick. Uh, if you're a writer, you're going to be writing very quickly. Uh, but they'll all be on your screen. And the, verse, the scriptures will all be on your screen as well. But we're just going to look at, like, what do we long for? And what does God promise that he's going to do about those longings? And so the first one is just going along with what we've seen in the world. What's going on right now is longing for wars to cease. Longing for wars to cease to end. And Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4 gives us this incredible promise. It says, He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Man, we live in an unprecedented time in regard to the access that we have to information. So certainly wars have always gone on, atrocities have always gone on, uh, but we live right now in, in a world where we're literally able to not only learn about that atrocity immediately, but like physically see it with our own eyes. And over time, when we see these awful things happen over and over again, we can just become numb to it, can't we? Like our brains can't process every problem that's going on in the world uh, at every time. There's a, there's a limit to what we as human beings can handle, but there's no limit to what God sees. I think about like uh, when the war in Ukraine started, and we, as a church we were praying about the war in Ukraine for a while, and, and now we haven't prayed about that for a very long time. And I, I, don't, know, I, I don't know what to, to do about that, but I know that like God hasn't stopped caring about that. Like God sees every injustice, every war crime, Every kidnapping and raping and killing. And God will one day have his vengeance. And he will repay evildoers for what they have done. But we're not living in that day yet. We're living in the day of wars and violence and school shootings and bombings and bomb threats and a million 
other awful reminders of the depths of the depravity of the human heart. What a, what a feel-good way to start out our sermon this morning, Pastor Mike. But like, man, is this not true? Like, is this not just where we're at right now? And so we long for this day, and we're just reminded of this beautiful truth. Like, one day, we will all lay down our weapons of war. I don't know where you stand on the Second Amendment issue. We probably have a range of opinions. But guess what? One day, all of our guns are going to be melted and turned into John Deere's. Like, that's what the Bible says. We long for that day when Jesus returns and people can stop fighting against each other and warring against each other and killing each other. We don't have to worry and be afraid of these things, be afraid of what the world's going to be like for our kids and for our grandkids. And as overwhelmed as we can get by just turning on the news and seeing what's going on, we can also point to this promise and say, one day, Jesus is going to make it all right. And praise the Lord for that. And then there's another longing that we have. I think we long for renewed bodies, don't we? So many of us are being failed by our bodies right now, our physical bodies, whether it's sickness or surgery or cancer or injury or like whatever, like just plain aging. We have bodies that break down, and it's part of what it means to be human. But we have this promise, too. Romans 8, 22 and 23 says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Our bodies are going to be redeemed one day. Now, a lot of you have had kind of specific questions about what that means. Like some of you asked, like, what age are we going to be like when we uh, look like when in the new creation? That's a great question. I don't know the answer to that one yet. I'm going to have to, maybe I'll give that one to Pastor Jerry. I don't uh, know, but um, there are lots of other questions too. And so we'll, we'll try to ta- tackle some of those questions uh, in the following weeks. But what we can just cling to right now is that Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection body. What's the first fruits? It's the first one harvested, okay? So Jesus was the first fruits. So in his resurrection body, we have a glimpse of what we can expect when our resurrection, when we receive our glorified bodies. You see, before Jesus had been raised uh, from death to life, uh, there were other people that had been raised from the dead, right? Jesus raised in miracles, he raised, people were dead, and he raised them back to life. Uh, Lazarus as a prime example of this. However, every time Jesus raised them back to life, it was still in their same body. Jesus was the very first one to go from death to life and receive his glorified body. So the resurrection of Jesus is categorically different than any other resurrection that had happened before, and it's a foretaste of what we can expect when we receive our new glorified bodies. And so we, uh, we'll talk more specifically about this in the coming weeks, but we can know like we have bodies uh, that will not break down, that will not get sick, um, that will not experience uh, the effects of aging that are so painful and difficult for so many of us. And I know, uh, just talking to some of our senior saints, just even just like the mental toll that it takes because you say, man, like I, 
I want to be able to do this thing that I could used to do and I can't do it anymore. Or my kids aren't letting me do it anymore sometimes, right? And uh, so we got to deal with, with, with that whole thing as well. Um, but what can we at least all know that, man, one day we're not going to have to worry about any of that. And uh, praise, praise God for that. Amen. Can our, can our senior saints give us a big amen uh, to this? And for all of us, we say, yes, amen and amen. We can look forward to renewed bodies. And then with another longing that we have, I think, is a longing for, the renew, for a renewed earth. Again, just speaking of watching the news and being utterly depressed, it's just every day there's just some natural disaster going on somewhere in the world. It's crazy. Like you cannot uh, keep up with all the hurricanes, wildfires, tornadoes, extreme heat waves, and on and on. This week, you maybe missed it. Uh, 2,400 people in Afghanistan died from earthquakes this week while everything else was going on, and several hundred more are still missing. They've been hit by like three major earthquakes, and you start to look around, and again, you think, this isn't how it's supposed to be. We are so far from Eden right now, it's ridiculous. And then you read Matthew 24, 6. It's on your screen, which tells us what things will be like uh, before Jesus comes back. And it says this, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Now, I'm like the farthest person from like the tinfoil conspiracy, like we can figure out exactly when Jesus is coming back kind of person. Um, but you read that, and that's like, yep, <laughs> yep, that's where we're at right now. And certainly other points in history, you could read that and feel the same thing. So we don't know. We don't know what the beginning of the birth pains means. Um, but yep, we're in it for sure. Whatever that means, you know, God is outside of time. It could mean another 4,000 years. It could mean today. We don't know when Jesus is coming back, um, but we do know that creation itself is going to continue in turmoil until the beautiful promise of Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. We can all sense the groaning of the physical creation as it waits for Jesus comes back. And we can look forward to, again, to an earth where we don't have to worry about these things. There will be no more famines and earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars. And I don't know about you, but I just, like, I think about that and just, like, want to take a deep breath. Like, yes, that's what I want. And these have been really kind of more like physical longings that we have, things that kind of go on in the natural and, and physical world. But we also have spiritual longings, don't we, uh, that will not be fully fulfilled until the new creation. Things that I've just felt so acutely this week, like the longing to be rid of sin, the longing to be rid of sin. This is what Paul says in Romans 7, it's so good. It's not good, but it's good. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. And if that's not the picture of the human heart, I don't know what is. I want to do these good things, but I can't do them consistently like I want to. 
And I don't want to do these evil things, but I can't stop doing them consistently like I want to. And he goes on and he asks in almost, almost in desperation, who will deliver me from this body of death? And we can all ask that same question, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he says these be- some of the most beautiful words in scripture, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus or you're not a follower of Jesus, we read these words, these verses a little bit differently. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is very much like literally exactly true of you. Like you maybe want to do what's right, but you don't have the spirit, so you cannot do anything that pleases God. But for you, you have this promise, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, follow Jesus, he will set you free. He will give you the Holy Spirit. You'll be free from this body of death. And yet at the same time, if you're a follower, if you are a follower of Jesus, we can understand these words to say, man, I know where I need to be, I know where Jesus was, and I know where I am. And it seems like the more I grow in Christ's likeness, I just grow in my awareness that that gulf is actually bigger than I thought it was. Can anyone relate to that? You're growing in your faith. You look back to where you were before, you say, man, praise God, that's not where I am right now. And yet, I feel like I'm farther than, from Jesus than I was. That is what spiritual growth is. Because as we grow in Christ's likeness, we actually grow in our awareness of his holiness and how far short we fall. And so those words are just as true to us to say, I want to do what's right. I want to be like Jesus. And I'm growing in that, and yet I still am not there. And I want to avoid doing these, these evil things. And I'm growing in that, but I'm just realizing how far short I fall. Who's going to ultimately fully deliver me from this body of death? Praise God, I am in Christ. There is no condemnation for me. And so the penalty of sin has been paid. You are holy and blameless. Yes, that is true. And yet we're still surrounded by the presence of sin. We still sin. And I don't know about you, but I've just felt worn down by my sin recently. And as discouraging as this is, God promises it won't be forever. In the new creation, there will be no more sin. Matthew 13, 41 to 43. I love this. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. So if you've been discouraged by your sin recently, which as a follower of Jesus, I mean, that's what repentance is. If you, in fact, let me say, if you haven't been discouraged by your sin in a really long time, that's a problem. You should check your heart. If you have been discouraged by your sin recently, cling to this promise. One day, Jesus is going to get rid of every cause of sin, and we will sin no more. Oh man, well, we long for that day. And then we long as well for a perfect relationship with God. 
perfect relationship with God. I have an accountability partner that I meet with on Friday mornings, and we were just talking about this on Friday. Each week we talk about how we're doing in our relationship with the Lord and just how crazy that that relationship can have the highest highs and then immediately be followed by the lowest lows. And anyone else relate to this, uh, or is this just me? Um, one week, one, one of us will be talking about just how much we've just been learning and growing and just like blown away by the things of the Lord. And then just the very next week, it's like, man, this week stunk. Like, I don't even know what happened. And as much as we can have these tastes of this close communion with Christ, and you should have those tastes, certainly, there's always going to be this up and down, like mountain and valley experience of walking with Jesus. And I think for a, a long time, I'm still processing this, and maybe I shouldn't be just processing things openly as I'm preaching them, but like, I'm still processing this a little bit because I think I've, I've carried a guilt of like, why can't I be on a mountaintop for Jesus all the time? And um, that's just not how it works. <laughs> we should seek him with all our heart. And when we seek him, we will find him. And yet we know by our experience there are times when we just feel this intimate closeness with God and then there's times when we just feel so far from Him. And what that should do in our hearts, as much as we shouldn't just be content with feeling far from God, what that should do in our hearts is give us a longing to be near to Him and a longing for eternity when we will experience perfect communion with Him forever and ever. 2 Corinthians 6, 16, I will, God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. When do you remember in the Bible of God walking among his people? The Garden of Eden, right? The same way we have that same promise in the new garden, in the new paradise that God is going to create. He will walk among us and we will have perfect relationship with him. So we seek him now, but we trust that one day those longings we have will be fully satisfied in him. And then not only that, man, there's just, we got a lot here this morning. We have longing for person, perfect relationships, not only with God, but with each other, do we not? Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven to 39, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, how many of you can say, I won't make you raise your hand, how many of you can say that you have one relationship in your life where you truly love that person as much as you love yourself, like fully and truly 100%? that you genuinely consider their needs above your own 100% of the time. Anyone have one person in their, in their life like that? Now, how many of you can say that uh, everyone is how you relate to everyone that way? Like, look around, right? Look at the back of the person's head that's sitting in front of you right now. Maybe you've never talked to that person. Maybe, I don't know. Do you love that person as much as you love yourself? You genuinely consider that person's needs above your own 100% of the time. And the person who cut you off in traffic and whatever, ripped you off, you know, whatever. Fill in the blank. This is the hardest thing for me to get my mind around. Not the hardest. One of the hardest things for me to get my mind around in the new creation is we are going to relate with everyone that way. We're going to perfectly love everyone like that. Sin will not get in the way of any of our relationships. I mean, how often can we even say we have one interaction with a person that isn't in some way marked by sin, 
Very rarely, I think. And yet every interaction we have with every person is going to be 100% bound up in love. And you will consider everyone's needs ahead of your own. And guess what? Everyone will consider your needs ahead of theirs. And that's what's beautiful about it. What's part of the scary thing about loving people like this? It's you don't know if it'll be reciprocated. You know, we don't have to worry about that. It's like God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. It's almost like it's modeled after God himself and how he relates to himself within the Godhead. And so maybe you have a difficult relationship even going on right now with a spouse or a child or a friend or whatever, and you're experiencing, maybe you're experiencing, maybe you're like, I'm just the shattering effects of sin in that relationship. We can look forward to the day when that's no longer the case. And our relationships with each other are going to perfectly model God's love for us. A couple more. Longing for perfect rest. Perfect rest. Does that sound good to anyone right now? (laughs) You ever get tired? Not like I need a nap tired, but like worn down from life kind of tired. Oh, man. I think we all have within us this longing to just be able to rest. And when I talk about rest, when, I talk, when the Bible talks about rest, it's not just like a sitting down and putting your feet up type of rest. True rest in the Bible is when we can live like God intended us to live in perfect harmony with him and with each other. Go back to Genesis 1, creation account. God, first day, evening and morning, the first day. Second day, evening and morning, the second day. Third day, evening and morning, the third day. Fourth day, evening and morning, the fourth day. And so on and so on. Until we get to the seventh day. Now, what happened on the seventh day? God did what? Rested. Now, this is the only day where we aren't, so don't see there's evening and morning. What does that show us? The seventh day, the rest is intended to go on forever and ever. Why can God rest? Because the world is as he created it to be. And we can rest in a deep way, not a I need a vacation type of way, but like I can breathe in and breathe out because the world is as it should be. And now we're in a time where the world is not as it should be. Hebrews 4, 7 to 9 says, or excuse me, 4, 9 through 11 says, There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So again, we're going to talk about this in the coming weeks. Like, what is life going to look like in the new creation? Like, are we just going to sit around? Are we going to have jobs? Are we going to be able to use our skills and our passions and the things we care about? Like, are we going to be bored? Are we, like, what, what is it? And uh, we'll talk about these things. But what we know right now is that we're not going to be anxious and worried in eternity. We're not going to be beaten down by life. We can breathe easy because the world will be as God created it, and that will allow us to have perfect rest forever. Finally, last, last one here. We long for death to be destroyed. Oh, man. Do we not just ultimately in ourselves have a longing for death to be destroyed? 1 Corinthians 15, 25 to 26 
for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Death has been dealt a fatal blow at the cross. And yet, we still live in a world of death. One day, death will be no more. And we long for that day. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Church, these longings that we all have within us point us to these incredible promises that God gives us about the new creation. And we can look to God's word and say, thank you, God, for the hope that we have. Where would we be without the hope? Oh, man. And then that should just cause us to just have hearts broken for those around us who don't have hope. Think about how you process the events of the world. Think about how you process difficult things going on in your life. Now think about somebody who doesn't have the hope of Jesus and how they process those things. What kind of philosophies and empty religion things they have to cling to for their hope. Oh, man. But we have hope because of Jesus. And so we long for this day. And we say, thank you, God, for the hope that we have, that all that we see that's wrong about the world is going to be made right. We have a hope, but here's the thing, and here's where I'm just going to totally turn the sermon around on you guys right now. Remember what we said in week one of this series, living in eternity doesn't start in the future. It starts when? Right now. Right now. Living in eternity starts right now. And even though we can't experience any of these things fully Until Jesus returns, we can experience a taste of what's to come. We're not called to just sit around and wait for this to happen. We can experience a little bit of what it's going to be like to live in eternity. So we're going to look at these promises again really briefly. And I'm going to ask you to just think about, like, what's one? Like, we're going to, I just want to get real practical with us this morning. We don't always get this practical. I want to get real practical with you this morning and say, what's the one that I need to work on this week? What is the one way that I need to work on bringing about the eternal kingdom of God in my life and in my world? like this week. So we're going to go back through them, and then I'm going to give you at the end just a couple minutes to pray. We're going to put them all back on the screen, and we're going to just, uh, I want you to just pray and ask God, like, what one thing do you want me to do this week? So which one? First, first of all, again, let's go look back at the promise that we will be rid of sin. And we're not going to be completely rid of sin until Jesus comes back, but we can grow in sanctification. Jesus says he's going to get rid of all causes of sin. But what else did Jesus say about things that cause you to sin? He said, if your right eye causes you to sin, what do you do? Tear it out and throw it away. For it's better to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, (coughs) ow. (laughs) But that's better, (laughs) is it not? To lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It can be painful. Why do you think Jesus used that metaphor? He didn't say if you got an eyebrow that's causing you to sin, pluck it out, right? He used a very painful metaphor. Why? Because it's going to hurt. It's not an easy thing. But is there a sin in your life that you need to saw off at the bone so you can become more like Jesus? Is that one that you need to work on this week? Second, your relationship with God. We're not going to fully experience that full communion with God. I wonder if some of you are in here this morning, have you kind of just given up on trying recently? 
Maybe you felt distant from God. Maybe you feel like a closeness to God is something for other believers and it's not for you. Oh, that's a lie from the enemy, dear brother, dear sister. Oh, he wants to be near to you. So maybe this week you say, I'm, I, to bring about eternity, I'm going to seek the Lord in a renewed way. And if that's you, I pray that the Lord will meet you there. Or maybe that's you this morning, this week. I need to grow in my relationship with God. Maybe it's your relationship with others. Again, we're not going to fully experience any relationship that isn't marred in some way by sin. But there are some relationships that we have that are more marred by sin than others. And we all have relationships where our selfishness has gotten in the way, where we desire bad things for them rather than good things, when we take, take, take rather than give, give, give selflessly and sacrificially. So like what's one relationship in your life? Maybe this is you this morning. Like think of a name right now. Again, let's get real practical. What's the, who's the person what one relationship do you need to bring more in line with the kingdom? Like when we're living on the new earth together, is there someone that it's going to be awkward to run into because you really didn't treat them very well? I don't know if there's awkwardness in the new creation. Probably not. But you see what I'm saying. What can we do this week to love that person like you're going to love them for eternity? That's just so thinking of their needs above your own. Is there one person? Perfect rest Another longing that we can begin to institute right now. So much that could be said here. Are you striving in your life in such a way that it shows that you're not trusting God to provide? Are you taking time to rest in Christ? Are you, are you able to swallow the fact that you can't do it on your own? We're never going to experience perfect rest until we reach eternity, but we can make rest a regular rhythm in our lives in order to demonstrate the dependence that we have on God that goes far beyond ourselves. So do you need to practice rest this week? And then finally, this is a weird one, but death is going to be destroyed. And we can't, I'm not saying like, go live like, like YOLO, right? Like there's no death, like go, you know, I don't know. Anyways, moving on. Death has not been destroyed yet. Some things, things pop in my head and there's just like a, at the, like censoring going on at the exact time that I'm thinking them. So that's what just happened there. Let's get back on track. Death has not been destroyed yet. People still die. But as followers of Jesus, we have the best news ever that death will be destroyed once and for all when Jesus returns. And so we can actually live like that right now, like that we don't fear death. And this is what makes Christians so strange, or should. To live is Christ, to die is what? To live is what? No, to live is Christ. Let's try that again. To live is? To die is? To die is gain. Who thinks that way? Who really believes that? That's your life motto, church. To live is Christ. In my life right now, with however many days I'm blessed with, I'm going to do everything for the glory of God. And when I die, I know it will be nothing but gain for me. You want your life to show the world there's something different about you. You want God to work powerfully in you and through you. You can live like you know the end right now, every day. And maybe you've only been living for the here and now. Forgiving, forgetting that Jesus gave you eternal life. And so this is maybe what you need to work on this week.
Church, we can all grow in every one of these areas, but as we look at them right now on the screen, I'd really, I'd, we're just going to spend a couple mi- minutes, Brian's going to come up and just play a little bit on the piano, and we're just going to spend a few minutes before the Lord, I want you to pray through those things, and the one that you, there's, there's probably going to be one that you don't want to work on, and that probably means that's the one you should right now, um, but uh, we're going to pray and ask that God would show us, how do you want me to bring about your kingdom right here, right now, this week? So let's go before the Lord a couple minutes, and I'll close this in prayer.